What's good, everybody? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple Podcasts. Hangout in the Holy Land on SoundCloud. At Holy Land Pod on Twitter. I am your host, Colton Denning, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's good, man? I've been watching a lot of Marie's Claret highlights today. So it's everything is good. Everything is very good. Um, I think it was actually a video that you posted that I've been looking at yeah, the highlights. Yeah, self plug. From. Yeah, self plug here. If you guys are interested in any uh, old school Ohio State player highlights from like the mid two thousands, early two thousands, they're on my YouTube channel. If you search Colton Denning on YouTube, you'll find like what thirteen minutes of Maurice Claret yeah. highlights. I have like eighteen minutes of Michael Jenkins up there, and then uh, Santonio Holmes as well. And then there's a couple. Uh, other newer ones. I have J.K. Dobbins freshman highlights up there. Um, you got Dwayne Haskins too. Yeah, Haskins yeah. is up there. Everybody from the wide receiving core. Uh, if you want to watch Marcus Baugh highlights for some <laughs> reason, a lot of Raider fans have been commenting on that this week. But uh, yeah, search Colton Denning on YouTube. You can find a bunch of Ohio State stuff and uh, plan to post some more stuff here in the next couple of weeks now that we're in the dearth of the offseason so check that out a little bit of a self-plug and speaking speaking of self-plugs actually so the reason i've been watching maurice claret highlights is because i have an article coming out soon on landgrantholyland.com um and i don't know if that will be out by the time this posts or when that's posting or anything like that but it's a um a statistical look at ohio state's offensive production since 1960 and it's really good and people should read it if it's already out and if it's not uh it will be soon and they should read it then yeah definitely check it out we were talking about this pre-recording and having to go through like even the 70s <laughs> like the 70s stuff and even the trestle stuff and then 2011 like ugh. If people complain about the offense now, like, wait till Patrick's article comes out. Yeah, it was You can really <laughs> look at some of the stuff throughout the course of Ohio State history, but make sure to check that out. Uh, another self-plug before, not really a self-plug, before we get into Ohio State recruiting in the draft. Like, we, we haven't had a chance to record a podcast since this happened, but maybe the greatest self-plugger, and that could be a, a double entendre of all time, Buckeye guy. We haven't gotten a chance to talk about Buckeye guy and the villainous things that he did. What what was your take on that after Earl Bruce uh, passed away? R.I.P. Earl Bruce. Um, I, I've I've been on the anti Buckeye guy train for a while now. Um, I I've always thought he was kind of annoying. Uh, and this was I, I think a little bit more advanced than his usual. Just being in places that he really shouldn't be and kind of taking the attention away from things that he has no business taking the attention away from um, seemed about right for him. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't really very surprised by it. Um, <laughs> I know that there were some people who were like uh, ready to to fight him, I guess. Um, it seemed to be the general consensus on like comment sections and message boards was that they were gonna they were gonna take him down. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it, it was um, it seemed about right, and uh, we got some good content out of it. So yes. yeah, Buck, Buckeye guy is super bad, and I think that's like the one thing that all Ohio State fans agree on. I, where's the big nut in all of this? And secondly, why have we never discussed why his name is the big nut? Why is that even a thing that shouldn't that isn't right? It I, I don't know. Super fans in general. 
just just to wrap this up they're bad yeah they're bad buckeye guy the big nut please go away forever who's the third guy because there's three of them there's there's buckeye guy there's big nut and then there's a third guy whose name i don't remember i only know the two of them and then i think that there were more of them in like the late 90s but i think that a couple of them have have died off i don't know i don't want to be disrespectful <laughs> but uh yeah they're, they're bad regardless they're, they're not good no they're they're not good the only good buckeye super fan was neutron man and that's that's it he was the last good one <laughs> uh, and lebron james lebron james also but he doesn't paint his entire body so i don't know if he really counts <laughs> um speaking or not speaking of but moving to things that are good in the purpose of this episode we're here today to talk a little bit about Ohio State recruiting, which has seen a lot of exciting news in the past, what, week and a half. And then the NFL draft stuff, just just going to wrap up uh, where Ohio State players landed, what our thoughts were on that, and a couple of other random news items. But kicking it off with Ohio State recruiting in the class of 2019, just as an overview, Ohio State now stands at nine commits, seven of those being four stars, one five-star who we'll talk about, and one three-star positionally you got one running back one wide receiver two offensive linemen one defensive lineman one linebacker and one db it's the seventh ranked class right now per the 24 7 sports composite and this kind of all started in the the past week and a half or so on april 28th when defensive back brian shaw flipped his commitment from wisconsin to pledge to ohio state he's a maryland defensive back listed as the 660th best player nationally per the 24-7 sports composite and the 53rd overall safety. Patrick, what was the the behind-the-scenes look at, at how this went down? What do you think about Brian Shaw and what's kind of his, I guess, ceiling? Because it looks like from the outside that he, he's more of a project prospect. Yeah, I kind of I mentioned this a little bit um, in writing about his his commitment that uh, without going to inside baseball on the recruiting analyst um, world, I guess this was surprising uh, <laughs> for uh, quite a few of us. Um, I know it was surprising for a lot of the general fan base. And uh, it was really, you know, he's not a guy that was huge on Ohio State's radar. Uh, they offered back in February, just a little while after he had committed to Wisconsin. It it seemed like more of a, you know, a, a personal project for for Alex Grinch that this was a guy that he was really interested in, and he would have to kind of sell the coach the rest of the coaching staff on him, much like Luke Fickle did with a guy like Darren Lee a couple of years ago. And ultimately, this commitment is the result of Alex Grinch successfully convincing the rest of the coaching staff that this is a kid that they should take. Um, your your assessment that he's a project is correct. Uh, at six foot two, 175 pounds, he will need at least two years, I think, in the weight room before he's really ready to go. Um, but they like his athleticism. He's really fast. He's a good hitter. Uh, he looks a lot like a Wisconsin defensive back, and that is a that's a good thing. Generally, Wisconsin's very good at identifying defensive back talent. Um, I'm not sure how early he'll play at Ohio State, anywhere but special teams, or if he ever will be a, a legitimate con, you know contributor. But I, I do think that he has the potential to be a good player at Ohio State, and if not a very good player. Um, and he's a guy that uh, I, I like. I, I don't think that uh, Buckeye fans are really giving him a super fair shake because of his ranking, but I do think that that ranking will go up, and um, I, I think this is a guy that 
Ohio State's happy to have, even if it, it is a little bit surprising that they took him this early. Does his commitment say anything about Ohio State's chances with potential other defensive backs in this class or like you said is this more just Alex Grinch really standing up on the table for him um they don't want it to say anything about other uh defensive backs in this <laughs> class they they're kind of trying to do damage control with uh with guys like Jordan Battle uh, you know, some other safeties in this class, Daxton Hill out of Oklahoma, um, some some guys who it looked like they were in a pretty good place with um, and trying to convince those guys that they do still want them. They are still interested despite taking this commitment. Um, the, the main name guy I mentioned just a minute ago, Jordan Battle, is kind of the the thing that made this a little bit more surprising because he was um he was set to basically he was going to commit a couple weeks ago decided against it decided to wait a little bit um if that's a a mutual decision or an ohio state decision i don't know but uh he he's a guy who he's higher ranked um i'd say a little bit more college ready at this point um and Ohio State would really like to get both of them. It is it's going to be kind of an uphill battle convincing Jordan battle uh, that he, you know he is still their top guy and he's still a safety that they're interested in. So it was a little strange to see them taking a guy like this who's a bit more of a project this early on. But um, I, I don't think it'll hurt them too much in the long run as long as um, Alex Grinch is you know a capable recruiter, which I think he is. So the very next day, Ohio State got a double dose of good news on the 29th. First of all, when four-star Ohio outside linebacker Cade Stover committed fourth-ranked player in the state of Ohio, 130th nationally, and the eighth-rated linebacker. What does he bring to the table? And this kind of seems like a kid that Ohio State really didn't have to battle too hard for, that this was always kind of going, going their way. Yeah, Cade Stover is a guy who had been on commitment watch for the better part of the last two years. Um, when he picked up his offer around this time last year, it felt like it was just a matter of time. Uh, he was on campus in October of 2016 for a visit. He's certainly not new to Ohio State. Um, he, I mean, Ohio State's been the leader in his recruitment for the entirety of it. Uh, he was never really, I think, looking at other schools he did his due diligence and visited oklahoma visited penn state but those were mostly just to kind of reassure himself that ohio state was the right place uh, after visiting oklahoma he went to ohio state the next week he was convinced um took a week to to think on it and make sure it was the right decision and then committed on the 29th um what they're getting in him is not as much of a project as bryson shaw but still a, a very raw athlete. Um, I think Cade Stover is, uh, wherever they put him, either at outside linebacker or at, at defensive end, he's going to be a very good pass rusher. Uh, he's a very good hitter. Uh, he's aggressive. He's really fast and powerful. Um, good size at 6'4", 225, but it will take some time to develop him skill-wise. His hands still aren't great. Uh, he doesn't really have defined moves on the defensive line when he's passing or when he's rushing the passer. He mostly just blows by guys or uh, bull rushes them. But that's uh, what Larry Johnson's job is, and Larry Johnson is very good at his job. So giving him athletes like this is exactly what Ohio State likes to do. And uh, if Stover ends up on the defensive line, which I think he will, uh, he should be a very 
dominant uh, edge rusher. And while he may not be great stuffing the run because he's just not that big, uh, he, he should be a, a really good force for Ohio State out there. Do you see my man bailing hay yeah. and getting into the tractor <laughs> in his commitments video? Yeah, that was my man is country. Ohio. <laughs> that, that was super Ohio. As somebody who only comes back to like spend time in Columbus and maybe like drive to Dayton or Cincinnati every once in a while, I always forget like how super country Ohio can be. Yeah, I um, I'm also in the the bubble of one of the three C's in you know the middle of a suburb in Columbus, and it he is um, he is about as middle of Ohio that isn't Columbus as you can get, um, and I, I think that Ohio State kind of likes that attitude in a linebacker or specifically in a defensive player, somebody who's uh, kind of hard nosed, tough, aggressive, all of those um, you know go to stereotypes for. Uh, country linebackers but he he's very talented and they're they're really happy to get him yeah my man was just like all right i'm going to ohio state now let me get into this tractor and drive away that was a good that was a good commitment yeah, he was video. driving i don't to know Columbus. if i've seen one like that uh late so later that night we there was an out-of-state commitment and one of the more exciting commitments i think ohio state not to say it, that they've had in a long time because there's been so much talent that's come through the program but one that I think a lot of people are super excited about, and that was when five-star Texas wide receiver Garrett Wilson committed to Ohio State over, namely, pretty much Texas. Yeah. And he was a kid that grew up in Ohio before moving to Austin. He was actually a teammate of current freshman quarterback Matt Baldwin. He's the highest commitment, highest-ranked wide receiver commit that Ohio State has ever gotten, not just in the Urban Meyer era, not in the modern era, whenever, just ever. So th this is a kid that is going to have a lot of hype to him, and he's played high-level Texas football. What's he bringing to the table, man? Well, Garrett Wilson is, um, I think he's my favorite receiver, not just in Ohio State's class, but in the country. Uh, he is well-deserving of his five-star rating. Um, I think 24-7 sports in-house ranking that has him at eighth nationally is uh, significantly closer to the truth than their composite ranking that has him closer to the 30s. Uh, he is a I mean, he's a game-changing talent. He's quick. He's elusive. He's great with the ball. He is as fluid as any receiver in the country is running routes. Um, just a, a fantastic athlete and uh, surprisingly refined for a receiver coming out of high school. He, he really knows how to catch the ball the right way. He catches it with his hands rather than with his body, which is something a lot of receivers, especially young receivers, have to learn when they get to college. Um, and really, he, he won't have to learn all that much at Ohio State outside of the playbook and a more advanced route tree because he is a Texas receiver, and most of them don't have a, a very defined route tree outside of um, running straight down the field and just beating cornerbacks. Um, but I think he's definitely capable of learning that. He's a really, really talented receiver. And uh, while his, his size is a bit limiting at six foot, 185 pounds, he's still capable of being a number one receiver. Um, and I, I think that Ohio State will love having his playmaking ability, uh, especially if they compare him with a, a bigger, more possession-oriented receiver on the other side of the field. Do you see his quote about not going to Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was mean. Yeah, so that was a big dunk. Yeah. <laughs> so so if you guys haven't seen this, and I'm sorry, I don't I don't know who to attribute this to, but um Wilson said 
about Texas, quote, they were close. I'm not going to lie. The official visit made me think about them a little more. In the end, I've watched a lot of people go to Texas with a ton of ability and maybe not achieve what I thought they could. I didn't want to be one of those guys, end quote. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch, that's that's savage. He just buried Texas six feet in the in the dirt. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to, especially for receivers, um, when was the last time Texas had a good quarterback? Like, after Colt McCoy, they, they haven't had any. Um, it's hard to sell receivers on playing for Sam Ellinger or uh, Shane Boussel. And Garrett Wilson, among quite a few other receivers in this class, really like Dwayne Haskins and they they really like Matthew Baldwin and um you know the quarterbacks that Ohio State has and the quarterbacks Ohio State are looking at um Ryan Day has done a fantastic job on selling Ohio State as a passing team in the future uh which is why you see a guy like this committing um Ohio State isn't very good at recruiting receivers uh, under Urban Meyer the past couple years they've generally had to go after athletes because true receivers aren't interested in playing in what is essentially a spread triple option. But um, Ryan Day is really selling these guys on the future and what the offense could look like um, with a quarterback like Matthew Baldwin or Dwayne Haskins. And that's ultimately what sold Garrett Wilson here, was um, that Tom Herman is still running a very run-oriented offense at Texas, and Ohio State seems to be kind of moving towards a more pass-based offense and a receiver like this really wants to get the ball a lot yeah and for as much as we want to complain about zach smith and you know the current progress of these receivers ohio state's had what six receivers drafted in the last three that years sounds so right. yeah uh, that that there, there's definitely a, a ladder to pro success that ohio state has established that maybe texas hasn't and it is important to remember too that this is a kid that grew up in ohio and you know wanted to play for ohio state so it wasn't just like they stole a kid from Texas, kind of like they did with J.K. Dobbins or a few other Texas kids that, that they've brought in. But nonetheless, a, a huge commitment. And like you said, I, I think that Ohio State in this offense, there's always going to be a good running back. And when you have put out consistent running back talent the way they have, that's always going to be a focal point of the offense. But it is moving more more in the way of balance and commitments like this you can tell that, that that's the case yeah this is this is the kind of big time receiver that um schools that have that balance get uh this is the kind of big time receiver that schools like usc um you know alabama can get them at times which is a little strange because they don't pass super well but um it, it's you know kids like that oklahoma they they like to go to schools where they know the offense will be good at passing the ball and um it's you know it's a good sign to see ohio state going out and getting a kid like this um especially if you're a, a fan that would like to see uh, the vertical pass return to columbus uh because there's i mean these kids aren't going to to commit to you know a college for three or four years if they don't think that they'll get the chance to show off what they can do. And uh, when talented receivers are committing to your program, that means that they believe in what you're going to do. Unless they're Louisiana kids that yeah. just have no other choice but to go to <laughs> LSU. That That's the only way. That's the only school that gets away with it is LSU. Hey, Danny Etling is an NFL quarterback. <laughs> that That is very true. Uh, wrapping up this, re the, this portion of the podcast about recruiting, Something we that I saw you guys talking about in the Slack, um, 
at least before these commitments came through is that it, it feels like it's been a little bit slower on the recruiting front. There hasn't been a lot of talk about high profile kids. And one of the main reasons for that has been Kerry Coombs is no longer on the staff and we all know how great of a recruiter that he was in his time in Columbus. Has there been any difference that you have seen without him on the staff and what Ohio state's recruiting strategy or, you know, where, where their hooks are in some with some of these high-profile kids? Well, I think Alex Grinch has a pretty obviously uh, different style to recruiting. He really likes to go out and try to find good athletes that he can develop um, instead of guys who are kind of already college-ready, guys like Sean Wade or Jeffrey Okuda. Um, and that's not saying that it's, it's a worse style. We really haven't seen it on the field yet. Um, but that is something that is kind of noticeable about the way that he's recruiting is that um, he seems to, to really like the bigger defensive backs, uh, guys who are um, mostly just athletes at this point, not really true positioned football players. And that's, that's something that we saw at, at Washington State with Alex Grinch as well. Um, and I, I think it will be in a, bit, a bit of an adjustment for Ohio State fans because uh, I, I can't imagine that Grinch is going to go after as many five-star defensive backs as Coombs did because um, he's not as good of a recruiter. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to be that good of a recruiter, and Alex Grinch is a very capable recruiter, but he's not on that level. Um, and it certainly doesn't help that Ohio State isn't in desperate need of defensive backs in this class, so they can be pretty selective. They're not going to be bringing in a big number of them, so it's, it's going to be a bit of a, a difference from what we've seen in the past couple of years where they've brought in a bunch of corners and defensive backs and safeties. Um, so it, it is, it's kind of an unfortunate first, um, you know, first attempt for Alex Grinch just because he doesn't really get the chance to prove himself quite yet, and he's, I, I think, much more of a, a capable developer of talent and that's not a knock on combs that's just uh, alex grinch is a really good coach uh so i think it'll be fine in the long run it, it is um a little bit less uh on paper you know numbers wise impressive but uh, i'm not worried about it knowing what this staff is capable of and having seen alex grinch's work in the past yeah and it's not like this is the first time that ohio state has lost a great recruiter he looked back and lost Mike Vrabel, everybody thought, you know, oh, God, how are we going to make it work? Same with Tom Herman. Same with Stan Drayton. Same with Chris Ash. So if there's one thing that Urban Meyer and his staff have shown the ability to do, it's that, you know, you can lose great coaches and great recruiters and replace them with other great coaches and great recruiters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that uh, <laughs> I'm not worried about Ohio State's recruiting. Um, they'll They'll be fine. I mean, it's a top 10 class already. It's going to only get better. Uh, I, I hope that there aren't people really worrying about it. I, I'm sure that there are, but uh, it's not worth worrying about. They'll be they'll be very good. They will continue to be very good for as long as Urban Meyer is here and probably after that as well. And something that's going to help that recruiting that has, you know, for the last couple of years in a huge way is the NFL draft, which recently took place. And once again, Ohio State, seven players drafted this year and that was second nationally only behind Alabama who had 12 I believe two first round picks for Ohio State um, just, just another banner year for them and a bunch of guys signed as undrafted free agents we'll get into that but just another season of Ohio State replacing NFL talent 
with more NFL talent, sending guys to the NFL draft, and not only that, but dudes getting drafted extremely high. Yeah, and something that I saw that was interesting, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, but on um, the kind of self-proclaimed draft Twitter with a lot of the media guys, they seem to be really high on Kendall Sheffield. Um, I, I saw. Yeah, that was, that's weird. I saw quite a few mentions uh, from pretty prominent national guys saying that Ohio State could be in for another first-round corner next season with Kendall Sheffield, and uh, I'm not sure if that's a, a traits-based assessment and an athleticism-based assessment, and they're just assuming that he'll get there. Um, but that's, I mean, those guys know what they're talking about when it comes to player development and assessment. So I think that that's pretty encouraging for Ohio State if, um, you know, people like, uh, I think Ian Rappaport said something about it. If people like that are excited about Kendall Sheffield, that's, I mean, that's good news. I would imagine that the scouts were there for pro day and I don't know if they're allowed to go to bowl practices, but they were probably around for some postseason stuff and saw him and he has the track background. He's going to test really, really well. And if you are a kid that has not only been in the Alabama program, but also the Ohio state program, then you kind of have that, that pedigree of like, okay, two of the, the two best coaches in college football will vouch for this kid. Then I think that helps as well. And from that Ohio state defensive back brand kind of has everything going for him. So if he has a good season, it wouldn't be shocking, but that was definitely interesting and not something that I expected to hear. But I would assume he probably had a couple of really good strings of practices in uh, in postseason. So that is definitely encouraging, and it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world to see him or any of those other defensive backs have a great year. And I saw that uh, uh, Tarada Mitchell was like, we're going to set the record next year for kids drafted. And at this point – it's hard to ever be like, no, that's not going to happen. That's way too far fetched. Just based off of off of what they've done, because you know they're just losing talent every single year. And you saw it with Michigan compared to last year. They had what thirteen or fourteen guys drafted, and this year there was only one. Mo Hurst. I think it was two. Did they? Have... Isn't Mason Cole? Didn't he get drafted? I think so. Yeah. So they they had two yeah. at most, and I know they had a really young team, but. Ohio State has young teams every yeah, – it seems every like every year. year. <laughs> Alabama has young teams. They have guys drafted. Clemson has guys drafted. So um, it'll be interesting to see who jumps up next season because right now – I mean, I don't want to talk about 2019 mock drafts, but I think it's always interesting to look at who are those guys now because in the next seven, eight months, it always changes. And specifically from an Ohio State standpoint – there are going to be guys who are not on the radar, maybe on the radar for, for fans that of Ohio State, but not at the level of, oh, this guy's a first-round pick. Jeffrey Okuda is a, is a guy that comes to mind, even though I don't think he'll be draft eligible. But just those type of guys that you know about, but then you're like, okay, this guy had an awesome season. He's a first-round pick. Jonathan Cooper. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I mean, I said in the um, in our Slack room that Ohio State could have back-to-back first overall picks in these next two seasons, uh, which was um, a bold opinion that isn't actually that bold when you when you kind of look at it. Uh, when you have a guy like Nick Bosa and then Chase Young the next year, um, I, I don't think that that would be very surprising with how much the NFL values um, you know edge defenders. And not to get too far off topic, talking about you know future 
picks and defensive line uh, stuff, but um, I, I don't usually like to see Ohio State play this team, and I especially don't want to see them play them this year. Uh, Clemson's defensive line is horrifying. It's They're going to have like eight guys drafted in the first round off that line. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They like yeah, they returned like every single one of their defensive line starters and every single one of them would have been a first round pick. It's ridiculous. We talked about that on last podcast that these two defensive lines, Ohio State's and Clemson, even at a level where Alabama is every year, I think that they're a notch below, which is crazy to to talk about, but Ohio State and Clemson's defensive lines right now are so ridiculously stacked with talent at every single position and legitimately can go almost three deep everywhere along the line. And you're going to see a lot of really talented guys. And like you said, that's that Clemson defensive line may have like three dudes taken in the first 10 picks and like five dudes in the first round. And I think that Ohio State is probably going to have at least one with Bosa, but probably a couple others that have really good seasons. Draymond Jones, Robert Landers, a kid we'll talk about in a little bit, and even Jonathan Cooper, who I'm super duper high on. He's great, yeah. There's there's a lot of talent coming through. But getting back to this year's draft, and we'll we'll just start from the top. The Browns did something right, man. They did something so good. They took Denzel Ward at four, which shocked a lot of people. He is the fourth Ohio State defensive back to be taken in the top 15 in the last three drafts and the fifth one to be taken in the first round in the urban meyer era yeah that's i don't know what else you have to say to a recruit than that (laughs) yeah and um you know he's just one in a a long line of very very good ohio state defensive backs um i'm not sure if he'll be the best of them i I still think marshawn Lattimore is i mean probably a, a future hall of fame level defensive back he's incredible um, and to say that Denzel Ward could be headed that way is uh, a little much at this point because we haven't seen him play an NFL down yet. But the the level of talent that Ohio State has produced in the defensive backfield is, um, I mean, it's, I think, unprecedented, really outside of maybe Miami in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think that, him going that early was deserved he is a he's the best cornerback in the draft he's a lockdown cornerback and um, i'm very excited to see him on my extremely bad nfl team him and baker mayfield that's that's a nice little yeah, haul i'll take it for the browns i'm sure that there's a lot of we we had a couple of people that were upset and in their feelings in our mentions because i posted how baker mayfield was going to plant the dog flag in the middle of heinz field they were like no that was still extremely bad i'm still <laughs> Mad online that Ohio State lost once to a really good team that made the playoff. Yeah, I um, personally, I'm shocked that people were mad about something <laughs> on the internet. That's never happened. <laughs> also in the first round and in state. Well, no, not really in state, mm. but you know, you know what I mean. Billy Price goes number 21 to the Cincinnati Bengals. It looks like he got everything with his peck cleared medically there, there was a lot of chatter about whether he would go in the first round how high he would go after he got injured at the combine on the bench press newsflash to 
dudes that are going into the NFL, if you're a first-round pick, don't go to the combine, bro. You got nothing to gain by working out. But he goes in the first round to the Bengals. He's going to be paired up with Sam Hubbard, who went at number 77 in the third round to the Bengals. Um, that's a good look for them. Billy Price is we, – we talk about defensive back being the position for – Ohio State to have NFL success, but center is one as well. Remington Award winners with him and Pat Elfline. Elfline had a tremendous amount of success success for the Vikings, and I think that Billy Price is going to be the same. He's kind of your prototypical NFL center right now for where the game is going. He can run block. He can pass block. He's really smart based off of what we've heard people talk about him with setting up protections and things like that. So I think he'll he'll fit in pretty well, and he's a guy that's probably going to just come in and start day one. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Ohio State has had, as you mentioned, um, a pretty impressive run of offensive linemen as well. Um, it's not talked about as much, uh, especially because when you watch Ohio State play the last couple of years, you wouldn't think that they have offensive line talent for some reason. Um, but they, they seem to be figuring it out. And guys like Taylor Decker, uh, Pat Elfline, and you know Billy Price, I think, will be, are all um, pretty much as consistent and as solid as you'll get. I think NFL teams really like that with an offensive lineman. They really like when they know what they're going to get. And with Ohio State offensive linemen under Urban Meyer, they, they've all been very, very consistently good in the NFL, and I think that, that Billy Price is the next in a long line of that. What do you think about Hubbard in the NFL? I'm super interested to see where he lines up because I, I know that teams probably really love the lacrosse thing, which has just been beaten to death, <laughs> and how how athletic he is, but it still seems like he's growing into playing football, and he's another one of those guys that's super smart. He can play a lot of different positions and he can do a lot of things. And I, I know that I'm very curious to see how the Bengals utilize him. And I, I think that he's a guy that can be either not like a flop, but he's, I, I'm just interested to see how he's used because I think he can be a really good player, but may, maybe not like an all pro or a pro bowl level, but a guy who just has a solid eight or nine year career and it's like you look back and you're like man that, that dude was really good yeah i um i like sam hubbard a lot i'll probably get some crap for this but um i feel like at ohio state he was a little bit of a result of the talent around him um he i can see that i mean it's i don't know it's hard to not be successful as an edge rusher when you're surrounded by that much talent and i mean defensive backs were always good when he was here linebackers were usually good when he was here uh played on a line with guys like joey bosa nick bosa uh draymond jones a lot of nfl caliber defensive linemen tyquan lewis who we'll talk about in a minute um and I think Sam Hubbard's good. I just I don't think we've actually seen him really playing as his own uh, defensive lineman at this point. I think we've seen him playing in a scheme rather than uh, actually showcasing what he can do. And I, I think that he's a good enough athlete, and he he is a smart player. I think he'll he'll develop um, into whatever the Bengals need him to be. If that's a run stuffer, if that's a pass rusher, I think he'll be solid at it but um I, I don't think that his ceiling is super high i think we kind of know what he is at this point and I, I think that that's a good player i i, I think that your assessment of him being uh the kind of guy who we look at 
nine or ten years from now and you know he was on the Bengals the whole time he was very good the whole time I, I think that that could be kind of what his career looks like and that's uh, I mean that's a good thing for a third rounder that seems like just about what you want from a guy like that like you mentioned his rush partner on the other side Tyquan Lewis went in the second round to the Colts and I, I think he's kind of in that same vein yeah. and especially this last season he was a little bit of an anomaly there were times where especially late in the Penn State game both of those guys showed out helped win the game but there were other times where Lewis almost disappeared and I I don't know if he's like physically you know your freak athletic edge rusher I don't think he's going to be a guy that gets 12 13 sacks and I, I think he's kind of in that same vein as Hubbard where a good career for him or a ceiling of his career is going to be just playing for a decade. And I don't know if he'll ever be a super productive pass rusher, but he can play the run. He can definitely get to the quarterback when he needs to, as we saw in the USC game, which he was very good in. But uh, I, I'm that's another one. I'm just interested to see how he's utilized and if he's able to be a little more consistent than he showed this past season. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that he went this high because um, I, I think he's a really good player. I think that, like you said, he's going to be very solid, if not um, never really great, but consistently good. Uh, but athletically speaking, I'm not sure if he's really a developmental guy. I think we kind of know what he is. Um, I, I think he's a great leader. I think he'll be a great leader in the NFL for the Colts or for whatever team he ends up on in the future if he doesn't stay with the Colts after you know his contract runs up or anything like that. But um, I, I think that in my mind, I kind of associate him with a guy like Michael Bennett who came out a couple years ago as someone who's not really – not really a dominant player in terms of the things he actually does on the field physically, but more of a, a necessary player for a defense, kind of a glue guy to hold them together, kind of a leader that makes the whole thing work. And I think that he can do that in the NFL. I'm just, I'm not sure if I'd spend a second round pick on that, but uh, I'm not an NFL GM. And I do like Tyquan Lewis. I just, I, I don't know if his production matches um what a a usual defensive end in the nfl looks like and that might not be a terrible thing i think that he could be the kind of guy who is um you know a a real leader for a defense somebody who who kind of surprises people not necessarily with his athleticism but just with pure skill because he is a very skilled and technically sound player um so i i don't I don't hate it. I hope that he does well, obviously, but it did surprise me a little bit to see him taken that high. Yet another defender taken in the third round was Jerome Baker to the Dolphins. And we talked about Lewis and Hubbard being guys who, you know, whose ceiling I think is just solid player. I will stand on the table that Jerome Baker's career is going to go one of two ways. He is either going to flop and be out of the league in like two or three years or he's going to turn into an all-pro player. Absolutely. Because you yeah. you look back at his 2016 season, and I think it's going to get lost in the shuffle. He was super special and had one of the best seasons I can remember for an Ohio State linebacker, which is saying something. But he was awesome. The Oklahoma game, he was great. Even the Clemson game. You know, despite, I know people hate watching that game or talking about that game, but the defense as a whole, and him in general, played really well the Michigan game he made a couple of huge plays he was just fantastic and for whatever reason I don't know if we're ever going to find out he just was not that same player this year whether it was just 
coasting off the hype, something off the field was going on, whatever it was, he there were points where I didn't even want to see him on the field because he was so bad. He looked so out of place at times. But if he plays at that 2016 level, he is, I think, your modern NFL linebacker, what you want. He is fast enough to drop into coverage and match up with certain wide receivers. He certainly can match up with tight ends speed-wise. And I think he's not done growing. He can bulk up a little bit. He can play the run. And we've seen him be instinctive and play smart football. But I just can't shake that it's going one of two ways, man. He's either going to be a stud or he's just not going to figure it out and he's going to flop out of the league. Yeah, I, I feel I feel similarly. I think that that's he's kind of a, a good opposite to uh, Hubbard and, and Lewis, who were both very productive in college and very consistently good. Um, and I, I think this may be nothing at all. This this is just uh, a hypothetical kind of a guess. Um, but the I think that the loss of Luke Fickle really, really hurt Jerome Baker um, because I, I think that just based on the way that he plays, based on the way that he carries himself off the field, um, he's, he seems to be a very expressive, loose kind of guy. Not not really, not really very serious, and that's not a bad thing. I, I love players like that. I think that he's he's a very I think he's a good kid, but um, I'm not sure how well that personality would gel with someone like Greg Schiano. Um, we saw it with Dante Booker, kind of a a shift in the linebacker coach and who's running that room can can cause some personality clashes and greg shiano is not an easy guy to get along with i think in general we, we've seen um and i think that it could have been kind of an issue of of that that baker's very talented but just didn't really gel with what shiano wanted him to do um and i think he could be very good in the nfl because of what we saw in 2016 but um if, if he ends up with a linebacker coach like shiano at the next level and i don't know who his linebacker coach is off the top of my head uh, i think we could see him struggle if it's kind of a, a hard-nosed um you know kind of tough love coach like shiano is rather than someone like fickle who's really a player's coach uh, so we'll see. I like Jerome Baker a lot. I'm I'm really, really high on his ceiling and what he could be, and I, I really hope he's successful. Back with Ra- Raquan McMillan, too, so hopefully that'll be able to ease his transition a little bit. Um, moving to the fourth round, my favorite guy for Ohio State, who I think will end up being the best player that they had taken in this draft, was Jalen Holmes, went to the Vikings. I think he's going to be special. He can do absolutely anything Along the line, I don't know who I would compare him to, but physically, he is an NFL player. He can match up with anybody, and I think inside, outside, he's going to be a very versatile piece for them. From what I know about the Vikings, they have a pretty good defense, and they have some pieces there, so I think he'll fit in right away, and I I think that he is going to be going to give you much more value than you would expect from a fourth round rookie yeah i i love his fit with the vikings i don't know a ton about the nfl but i know that the vikings defense is good um and i I know that they have a good defensive coach uh so i I think if jalen holmes i know that they were talking about during the draft that he's he's bulked up to uh 280 pounds at six foot five 
so I think he'll probably need to to get down back to where he was at Ohio State, which was around 265, uh, because I'm imagining that they will want him as a, a pass rusher and, and kind of an edge player. But um, I like Jalen Holmes a lot. I don't think Jalen Holmes ever really got to showcase what he was at Ohio State. Um, he, he's a very, very talented player, and he was always the third or fourth defensive lineman, and they, they kind of used him as a defensive tackle rather than an, an edge. Um, and if, I think if he can get back into to edge rusher shape, he has the athleticism to be very, very good. Um, and I, I agree that he, he's going to be really talented. I'm not sure if he'll have a better career than a guy like Denzel Ward, but uh, I, I do think that he has the potential to be a, an all-pro level player if they develop him the right way. What do you think of Jamarco Jones falling to the fifth round? A lot of people were really surprised about that when he uh, he got picked by the Seahawks there. So to relate this to the Browns and the things that the Browns did, I think Jamarco Jones is better than the offensive lineman than the Bra- that the Browns took at the beginning of the second round. That's, I mean... That's how I feel about both the Browns draft and Jamarco Jones. I, I don't I don't get it. He's really, really good. I, I don't know why he fell that far. And I don't know if it's like a size thing or something, because I know he's a little bit shorter, I think, than most NFL tackles. But <clears throat> Jamarco Jones was as consistent as anyone on Ohio State's line has been under Urban Meyer. He was um, very good in pass protection, very good in run protection, just solid. Um and I, I think that teams are going to regret passing on him because he's a very, very talented player. And I, I think that the Seahawks got a steal in the fifth round. Is there anybody I'm missing? Said seven. I think we only listed six. Who else got drafted? Uh, Sam Hubbard, Jalen Holmes. No, I think that's it. Oh, I guess we got everybody there. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> so moving <laughs> moving to the undrafted free agents, the big thing. And luckily we, we waited to record this until it happened was JT Barrett has signed a deal with the Saints after the draft. It looked like he was going to go to Colts minicamp, and then he was deciding between the Saints and the Colts, but he signed a three-year deal. He's going to be on their 90-man roster and battling with Taysom Hill and Tom Savage to be Drew Brees' backup. And there's a lot of Ohio State players on the New Orleans Saints right now. Like If you don't have an NFL team or are looking for another one to root for, the Saints are your team. Uh, What do you think about Barrett's fit there? It seems like... Of all the places he could have gone, that is a pretty decent situation. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good situation for him to be in, especially when he has guys that he knows, like Michael Thomas, a receiver. Um, so my take on my take on JT Barrett, and I know a lot of Ohio State fans um, have seemingly turned entirely on JT Barrett, and they're not only glad that he's no longer Ohio State's quarterback, but they actively dislike him. Seems to be... <laughs> something that I've seen, which is uh, weird because he's uh, the best quarterback in Ohio State's history, but whatever. Um, Breach. <laughs> but he, um, I just, I don't think that there's a guy in this class from Ohio State that I want to be more successful in the NFL than JT Barrett. I want JT Barrett to be an all-time NFL quarterback. I <laughs> I want JT Barrett to take over for Drew Brees in two or three years and be absolutely dominant. I, I want him to be the next Tom Brady in terms of, you know, late pick, actually undrafted. Um, didn't think that he had enough arm strength coming out of college, struggled at a Big Ten school, and just absolutely lights the league up 
Um, I I want nothing more than that to happen, just so that people shut up about it <laughs> and start to uh, recognize that JT Barrett is good and deserves um, the um, you know the full support of Buckeye fans uh, because he he did a ton for this program. And um, even if it was, and then retroactively, all the haters could be like, "No, no, no, JT Barrett was my yeah, guy." Yeah, like they do he with was, he was the guy all yeah, along. Yeah, like they do I with Tom him. Brady at Michigan, <laughs> where they're like, "No, actually, he was great." <laughs> but um, yeah, I I want JT to be as successful as he could possibly be. I want him to be a top quarterback. Um, there, it's not going to happen, but it would be it would be so much fun just to to see because i think jt barrett is just a a fantastic guy he's a great leader great personality great character um and i i really want him to be successful i think the best thing that he has going for him is he's he definitely had urban meyer and the rest of the coaching staff vouching for him i'm assuming whenever any of these head coaches made calls to him about jt barrett and signing him and when you see a guy like chase daniel have a 10-year career or or some of these other backup NFL quarterbacks, I think that Barrett can be that type of guy where he just stays around the league for 10 years because he's smart. And JT Barrett isn't going to take up a lot of practice reps, especially during the season. I think that he's, he's a guy that can do mental reps, and that's something that NFL coaches crave, especially at that backup quarterback position. If like, hey, we don't have to put you on the field as long as you know what you're doing, you know what the play is, you can communicate it, and you can communicate well with our starter about what's happening and what you're seeing. I think JT Barrett can be that guy and have, I think a successful NFL career is just like being around the league for 10 years and sticking around because as much as I love Troy Smith, he was a guy that needed physical reps and he flashed a couple of times, but he wasn't good enough to just stick on as a backup quarterback. I don't think that he was smart enough in that aspect of the game. JT Barrett is, and that's something that I think he can hang his hat on and have a productive NFL career because of. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, the, the leadership aspect as well is something that coaches really like. That's, that's high. Um, You see guys like Drew Stanton have spent their entire careers as just guys who travel from team to team and mentor young guys. Um, JT Barrett obviously can't do that right now because he is a, a rookie, but I, I think that is something that he could do in the future. He could be kind of a calming force, uh, somebody who can come in and he won't lose you any games. Uh, he'll keep your offense together, kind of a, a locker room guy. Um, and I think he is capable of that. That's what he did at Ohio State. He did it very well. He he helped manage the talent on this roster and you know, make sure that, that there were no locker room issues. And uh, that's something that every NFL team needs. And I think that that is kind of what his future in the NFL could be if he does um, find a way to, to stay in the league for a long period of time. Uh, other undrafted free agent stuff that stood out to me, the two big ones, Marcus Baugh to the Raiders. We both like him a lot. He's an excellent blocker. We've seen what he can do as a pass catcher, I think, if he's able to knock off a little bit of that doughiness, because I, I don't think that the strength program ever really got that out of him. If he's able to kind of shape himself, I think that he can be pretty productive for the Raiders or any NFL team. I think he has a place in the current NFL with what he can do. And then Damon Webb, who I think it was surprising that he didn't get drafted, but he lands in probably the best spot for him with the Tennessee Titans, with Mike Vrabel as head coach. 
and then Kerry Coombs is his defensive backs coach. I don't know if he'll stick around. I would assume that he's going to be able to. He's talented enough, and he's going to know that system and know what he's doing. And as an undrafted free agent, or any rookie for that matter, that's half the battle, or even more than half the battle. So that that's a really good fit for him, and I, I think that it'll work out well. Michael Hill also signed with the Lions. Tracy Sprinkle with the Panthers, and then Chris Worley stays home with the Bengals. A- any of those stick out to you? Yeah, I was surprised that Webb didn't get drafted either. I-, I think that I think that he does have a future in the league. Uh, probably not as a a full time starter, but maybe as a really talented special teams guy. Um, he he was really good this past season at Ohio State. I think a lot of people kind of uh, didn't notice that, but he was really really consistently good anchoring that defense he, he did a really good job um and I, I think that he will be solid in the nfl he's another one of those guys that's a really good leader a uh, good voice to have on your defense um I, I, I he reminds me a lot of uh malcolm jenkins and just the way that he plays the way that he carries himself uh i don't imagine that he'll have that prolific of a career uh, but I, I think that he he is a he's a good safety, and I I'm surprised that he didn't get drafted, and I think he will be uh, at least moderately successful at the next level wherever he ends up. One of the things that's pretty awesome about where Ohio State's at right now and putting all of this talent into the league is that this era of guys they're they're not only starting to get to the NFL, but they're all starting to play together. So you're seeing like the Saints with. Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Thomas, Von Bell, JT Barrett, and then the older generation, Ted Ginn and Kurt Coleman on the Saints. But then you have the Bengals with Sam Hubbard and Billy Price. The Dolphins have Baker and McMillan. The Colts have Tyquan Lewis and Malik Hooker. The Cowboys even have Zeke Elliott and, and Rod Smith, who was at Ohio State for, for a period of time. And then the Vikings with Pat Elfline and Jalen Holmes. So it's cool to see all these guys get to the league and not only that but start to play together and make some plays because there's some there's some pretty good players in the nfl that are repping the scarlet and gray yeah it's exciting to see i think that ohio state never really had that uh, under jim trestle he he wasn't huge on nfl production just because of the the system that he ran didn't really lend itself specifically on offense um but it, it is it's a it's a really exciting time uh, of Ohio State football. This is the most talent Ohio State has ever had, save for maybe the late 60s, early 70s. Um, and I think it's a time that Ohio State fans really should should relish and enjoy because it won't last forever. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, it's going to be really exciting to see what these guys can do together at the next level. Final thing before we close it up here, we're, we're getting into an hour. This has been a damn good podcast, yeah. if I say so myself. But... Uh, SI's Bruce Feldman wrote a long piece earlier today. I guess it's what Tuesday the first when we're recording this. So go check it out on SI.com. We'll link to it in the piece up on the site about Robert Landers and I guess Ohio State's coaching staff as a whole as it pertains to off the field stuff, uh, mental health, getting players ready for the NFL. It's a super long article, but it's worth your time to check out one of my favorite pieces in there was that every once in a while Landers tries to sneak fruit roll-ups into Urban Meyer's pockets during practice. He's our beautiful baby boy on this podcast, Patrick. Robert Landers forever. And if you like Robert Landers, check out this article. There's definitely a lot of things that are that are worth your time checking out in that. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a really good article. Um it it really I, I think it kind of 
shows how much Urban Meyer has changed since his time at Florida. Um, I, I, it says, I can't find the exact quote, but it says at some point in the article, oh, here it is, um, he, he's asked about how much he focuses on <clears throat> real-world issues as opposed to, to football-related matters, and he says it's 80-20 it's at this point in favor of real-world issues, whereas when he was at Florida, it was 30-70 towards football. And I think that that shows up on the field. It shows with how these guys carry themselves on and off the field. He's really not had issues with, with discipline here like he did at Florida. Um, and this is, in general, I think what we've seen from Ohio State under Urban Meyer is a very tight-knit group and guys who are legitimately close to each other on and off the field, and that really helps a team play well. Uh, that, that helps with chemistry. That helps with, uh, you know, really everything and i think that he's done an excellent job of um kind of turning his his persona around and, and figuring out how to to find the the human side of college football and uh, I, I think that's really uh that's a that's a really important thing with coaching so I'm, I'm happy to to see that yeah and i think you and i are probably the last two people that are ever just gonna like totally buy into everything that like oh yeah ohio state is not having any off-field issues yeah. <laughs> with their play. Like, we know what's going on with high-level college football. And, you know, when it comes to Meyer, there's been a lot of skepticism about bringing in players, especially when he first got into Ohio State, and how he could manage football and off-field stuff and his health, quite honestly. And I think at this point, what is it? Year seven? Year eight? Like, we're, we're already almost a decade into this thing, and I think that the results in the past almost decade have gone to show that he really has made a change with the way that he uh, runs his program. And I, and I think that that's great for him. And it's great for Ohio State as well to be able to have this level of success and not have some of the issues that even under Jim Tressel, and I'm not talking about just like the, the tattoo bullshit because that was whatever, but, you know, they, they've for the most part done things pretty cleanly. And I, I think you're always going to have issues with kids of, of that age, but they've done pretty well. And I, I think that it's, it's gone to show how well that Meyer has, has kind of balanced things that he was unable to at Florida. And quite honestly, as much fun as it is to root for a high level program and a winning program, it, it's nice to see that these kids who not all of them are going to have a shot at succeeding in the NFL. And the ones that go to the NFL are going to have to deal with, with life after football at some point that at the very least they are trying to get them ready for that yeah for sure it's it's a great article people should go uh check it out and um it's just it's, it's definitely worth the read even though it's long as we wrap up here speaking of long this podcast <laughs> long as hell any anything else what what's coming up for ohio state what are you looking for I, i'm at the point where it's just like no suspensions no injuries Anything other than that, I'm good. I just don't want to hear anything. Yeah, that's that's the point that we're at right now. It's it's a pretty quiet time. There should be some more stuff recruiting wise, uh, but stay away from Sugar Bar. Yeah, we don't need any grown and sexy coming up here anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a quiet time by design, and hopefully it'll stay quiet. All right, we'll get out of here on that note. Make sure to go to landgrantholyland.com. Find this, all of our other great coverage of Ohio State football and all of Ohio State athletics. Go to soundcloud.com to find the podcast, soundcloud.com slash 
Land Grant Holy Land. Subscribe to the podcast. Search Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple. Please leave us a star rating. Leave us a review. That is the best way to help people find the show. And honestly, the best way to give us feedback, whether it's positive or negative, we welcome it all. And then follow us on Twitter. That is the most important thing. At Holy Land Pod. We don't tweet a ton, but when we tweet, it is massive. It's very good. It's important, and you'll like it. It's very good. We'll be tweeting more on that. Uh, make sure to follow us on there at Holy Land Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dubs Co. Patrick, where can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Uh, I'm going to probably keep tweeting out uh, highlights of players that I like in 2019, which is just all of UCF's players. So follow me on there for that. Follow Patrick on there for that. We'll t- tweet out some gifts and highlights of Ohio State players. Follow my YouTube page if you like uh, any of those old school highlight videos that's just search colton denning on youtube and that's that's pretty much that's enough for the self plugs but make sure to follow all of that goodness and keep it locked right here on the hangout in the holy land and go bucks